Welcome to the Retro Nostalgia Podcast with Matthew Ramirez, your go-to education and entertainment source for all things 80s and retro video games. In this podcast, you'll learn little-known facts on a variety of nostalgic topics, leaving you longing for the awesomeness of yesteryear. If you're ready for a blast from the past, a tubular new episode is starting now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Retro Nostalgia Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things 80s and retro video games. As always, I'm Matthew, and I will be your host for today as we journey into the 80s. I hope everyone is doing well out there with the winter and all the, the storms are out there and everything. I hope everyone's staying safe. So today, I wanted to start off a little bit differently. I wanted to ask you guys a question, and it's not going to be too hard of a question, okay? It's just going to be concerning music so what i wanted to ask was how do you guys listen to your music pretty simple right now uh do you listen to it using streaming platforms like spotify do you buy digital albums do you buy individual mp3 tracks or do you still buy cds right remember those cds they were pretty big in the 90s uh, early aughts, 2000s, and then eventually they kind of tailed off as streaming and MP3s and all that took over. Chances are, most of you probably use a streaming platform of some sort. Now, the streaming platforms are very convenient, easy to access, and come with large catalogs of genres and artists. So just because of that, they're, they're very easy to access any artist that you would want and, and very easy to get into any type of music on there. Plus, they're also super portable because they can be heard on smartphones thanks to the apps. So if you have a smartphone, and most people do nowadays, you can very easily download the app, whether it be for Spotify or uh, Apple Music or any of those, and you can easily just listen to your favorite songs on there. And you can take it anywhere. You can take it to the gym. You can take it on on the road. You can take it to the park. And because of the portability, it's super easy to do that nowadays. So I don't blame you for making that switch. Slowly but surely, physical media has gone out in popularity. And this, is, this isn't only the case for music. The same applies to video games and movies. Physical media has gone away in all those platforms. Nowadays, there's uh, video game console makers that are releasing systems that have no disk drive. So they have to download the games. Movies, obviously with Netflix, Hulu, those type of platforms... It's very easy now to watch movies just through the streaming. There's no more need to go to a store or to buy or to to rent a movie or video game. Now you can just, with a couple of clicks on your remote, on your smart TV, you can easily access any movie you want. Everything is released digitally nowadays. However, this wasn't always the case. If you listen to the methods of listening to music I gave out earlier... You have noticed that I left out a particular format that was big in the 80s. And I'm sure you guys know which way, which way I'm heading here. The vinyl record. Now this legendary audio format was the way most Americans listened to music for around 100 years before cassette tapes and CDs came onto the scene. Think about that. For 100 years, the vinyl record was around in some shape or form. So let's dive into those vinyl records today and explore everything vinyl. 
from when they were created to their huge popularity in the 80s, which is when they pretty much peaked. So, like I said, vinyl records have been around in one form or another since 1877, when Thomas Edison created the phonograph. So from that point on, the vinyl record went through many iterations, changing size, speed, and the materials that were used to create the vinyl records themselves. So during this time, uh, eventually three speeds became the standard for vinyl. So these speeds were the 33 and the third, the 45 and 78 RPM. Vinyl eventually became the material of choice to create the discs after originally being made of shellac. Now shellac was a rough hard material which is what they used before for these vinyl or for what was not called vinyl then it was just called a record. And this material was very rough they had to use different types of turntables that um, are not available anymore. But they weren't um, as uh, easy to transport and they definitely were not portable or anything like that. They were just pretty much what they, the best they could deal with at the time. And once vinyl um, was discovered to be you know, easier to create the records with, it easily became the material of choice. And this, this happened around the 1930s. So like I said, we, we started in 1877 and during this time... The many companies were experimenting with different RPM speeds, um, different disc sizes, and all that. For well, for example, um, there were some disc sizes that were like around 15 inches, 16 inches around there, so very big. Um, but eventually, disc sizes uh, finally settled on a couple of formats, and one of them was the seven inch, which is for 45 RPMs, or what's known as the singles. Uh, the 78, or I'm sorry, and then the 78 and 33 and the third RPMs, those settled on a size between 10 to 12 inches. Now, the 12 inches are the most common ones, and those are the ones that are still sold today. 10-inch uh, vinyl records, they're a little bit more rare, but they are out there sometimes. And I have seen a couple myself, but uh, you need like a special um, adapt adapter for your t turntable for that. Because most turntables nowadays just come either uh, to play 12-inch vinyls or either 7-inch vinyls. So all this uh, quickly brings us now to 1980. So by 1980, eventually thir only 33 and a third or LP records as they were known and 45s or singles were the standards in vinyl. By this time, 78 RPM records, they'd kind of been... Gone the, gone the way of the, the, the dodo because they they just couldn't hold as much music, as much tracks on the discs, and they weren't really uh, high quality. So because of the ease and portability and the fact that they could fit a lot more tracks onto these types of records, the 33 and the 3rd, um, those become the standard to for pretty much any album that came out in the 80s. 45s stuck around because they were singles. So whenever an artist wanted to release a single before the album or whatever it may be, um, this there was a 45s was the way to go. And both of these were very high quality. Uh, you know they used different types of of uh, processes to get the most out of the sound, but they were both pretty good. And I actually have um, myself a couple of 45s from the 80s, and and I gotta tell you they sound pretty great still. So. 
Like I said, as her name suggests, the LP records were used for full albums, while singles only had two songs, one track per side. Okay, so the LP uh, was what people use, artists used to put all their like album in there. So they usually had like around four or five, maybe even six tracks per side, whereas the singles only had two songs, one per side. Now, by the 1980s, turntables had become affordable, and there were different types that appealed to all sorts of people. So, this all came kind of a, as a consequence uh, of disco. So, disco was very popular in the 70s, and disco had further increased the popularity of vinyl in the 70s. And as such, most, most homes had a turntable available coming into the 80s. Now, a key thing to note here is there was kind of a downturn in records in the early 80s uh, as far as album sales. And that had to do with, um, in 1979, there was an event that was called kind of like the, the death of disco. When there was this event in Chicago, uh, some people that heavily disliked disco, the, the format, wanted to, to proclaim it dead. And disco was dead and they had this event at, at the baseball stadium. They ended up burning a bunch of record albums and, and there was a whole event. So after this time... Many people were just done with, with that genre of music. And like I said, uh, turntables and vinyls have become very popular because of it. So there was kind of like a hand-in-hand -hand sort of thing where once disco was kind of killed off, vinyl record sales kind of went down too because that's where a lot of the sales were coming from. But now uh, moving into the 80s, um, there was... A, a slight uptick and then a big uptick in album sales again and I'll get to why that was in a bit but the 80s pretty much is when the album vinyl albums uh, peaked to be honest because after that you had other formats such as the cassette tape that came along and the CDs that came along and the CDs really kind of took over probably late 80s and all throughout the 90s it was all CDs so this was pretty much the heyday for vinyls in the 80s. So, going back to what I was talking about, how there was a lot of homes that had turntables available because of the increased popularity of vinyl in the 70s. This meant that when new albums were released, most people would go to vinyl for for the album. So, because it was a machine that they owned, and they didn't have to make a further investment like with cassette tapes. Now remember this was 1980, 1981, 1982 when cassette tapes uh, were still kind of new. And that meant that, you know, having to buy a cassette tape deck, those were pretty expensive themselves. So a lot of people kind of bought what they already had the, the machine for. And boy, were there some amazing albums that came out during the 80s. So I want to go over some of them uh, pretty much. I want to give like a brief overview of one and just kind of dive into a little bit of the tracks here and there. But uh, I'm going to go with a, a list of the top 10 albums that I found from the 80s. Now this list has some of the uh, albums you guys may recognize. And some of the albums on this list may surprise you. I know I was surprised when I saw it. I was expecting a lot of like popular artists on, on the top 10 for sure. So something like... Madonna, uh, you know, her, her first album that became really big. Um, Hall & Oates, maybe, that was pretty popular in the early 80s. 
maybe some one-hit wonders on there too. But, you know, I wasn't expecting some of these. So I mean, I'm going to go ahead and get started with the list and you guys can see what I'm talking about. Now, something to keep in mind is this list is in order according to sales numbers. All right, so it has nothing to do with popular opinion or, you know, who if there was a vote or like expert opinions, anything like that. This is strictly the the number of albums that were sold of each. So at number 10, we're going to start with Bon Jovi's Slippery When, when Wet album. Now, you guys, I'm sure most of you know this album. I know this album. This is a classic album. Uh, this one uh, is very much so a classic and includes the song Living on a Prayer, which coincidentally was actually number one on VH1's Top 100 Songs of the 80s show. Now, for you guys that uh, may not have remembered that or seen those, uh, for a while there, VH1 was making a lot of um, shows related to the 80s, like the Out of the 80s shows. Uh, and then they also ended up making these other series that were ranking songs from the 80s and then like top one hit wonders of the 80s, that sort of stuff. And uh, on that show, which was top 100 songs from the 80s, Living on a Prayer actually came out number one. So personally, I don't agree with that ranking. I feel like there are other songs that better define the 80s. I feel like that's a little bit too rock and it becomes very much general. It's not really the sound of the 80s, but... There's no doubt that that song is amazing, and that's why it's here at number 10 in that album. At number 9 is Brother in Arms by the Dire Straits. Now, Dire Straits, uh, if you guys remember, they were very popular for the song Money for Nothing, and that song is on this album. It was released in 1985, and it was pretty popular back in the day. So, uh, again, this one I agree with as well. Number 9, pretty popular song. I can see why it's in the top 10. Number eight was Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band Live from 1975 to 1985. So this was more of a collection that uh, of, of songs that were played live by Bruce Springsteen and his band. And they were all collected and onto this album. And it actually went up to number seven. So I was actually pretty surprised by this one. I didn't expect to see a Bruce Springsteen album, to be honest, in the top ten. Especially not a collection. So that was pretty interesting for me. Uh, number seven is Purple Rain by Prince. I mean, I already know what more, more I can say there. Um, classic album. So many good songs on there. Starting with Purple Rain, of course. And then, of course, When Doves Cry. It, it's such a good album. And the movie itself wasn't half bad either. If you guys haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend you watch it. It's It's a classic movie as well. Prince is, is spot on there. And there's some, some other good performances on there as well in the movie. Now number six is Phil Collins with the album No Jacket Required. Now this album I was a little surprised with. Again, I didn't expect to see a Phil Collins album this high in the top ten. Um, so I really had to do some research of it on my uh, myself. I never really heard of this album. As I looked it up, I saw that it had the songs to studio, which... I love that song. It's a, it's a nice song from the 80s as well. And One More Night, which is more of a slow... I, I'm not going to say it's a power ballad, but it is t definitely more of a slower uh, ballad song. And it's definitely a, an enjoyable song as well. So we have that one at number six right there for top albums of the 80s. Moving on at number five, 
is Whitney Houston with her debut album. So I think there was no surprise there. She was pretty popular in the 80s, mid-80s to uh, late 80s, and then eventually in the early 90s when she, she created the hit song I Will Always Love You for the movie uh, that released in the early 90s. So that was a, a kind of a no surprise there for me. Number four is Guns N' Roses with their Appetite for Destruction album. Now, as you guys are seeing here, some of these actually ended up being released towards the end of the 80s here with Whitney Houston and Guns N' Roses, which was released in 1988. But uh, the fact that they were able to sell so many albums so it kind of shows uh, how popular the format was even even that late into the 80s. Uh, number three was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Now, this is obviously a classic album. I'm sure many of you, as soon as I said that, got the image of uh, Bruce from from the back. You know, you're seeing his back and his and his jeans, get kind of a view of his butt, and, and you know, in the shot of the picture they took for the album. It's definitely a memorable album cover. Um, classic song, Born in the USA as well. And uh, for those of you that might not know what the song is actually about, it's actually talking about a, a Vietnam veteran that's uh, coming back to the to the country and all the stuff that they experienced. So, um, yeah, number three, it definitely was a big album. I didn't expect it to be this high, but I knew it was going to be in the top ten. This is this is a classic album of the eighties. At number two, is ACDC's "Back in Black." Now. If you guys remember in the late 70s, Back in Black, or not Back in Black, but ACDC kind of went through a, a low period. Their their lead singer passed away and there was, you know, uh, they were looking for a replacement. And it, it was very surprising when they came out with this album, with this track, Back in Black. And it was very popular. It was very uh, much in the, in the popular media and movies and stuff. And... A lot of people ended up buying the album and it, it ended up selling an impressive 19.1 million copies. So definitely one of the biggest albums in the 80s. And it came right at the beginning in 1980. Now finally, the number one album, and I'm sure most of you know where I'm going with this, is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Now... I want to throw some interesting facts about this album that you may or may not know. So this album, it ended up selling 29 million copies. Which, if you just remember what I said about ACDC's Back in Black and how many albums they sold, that's 10 million more copies than ACDC's album, which was number two for the 80s. And not only that. But there was actually that number, 29 million copies, is more than double that of the third highest album, which was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. That, that album only sold around 15 million copies. That's how popular this album was. And the power that Michael Jackson had to kind of sell things at the time. He was really a true superstar back then. It not only spent 37 weeks... In the, in, in the number one position. But it also spent 78 weeks in the top 10. So this was the record that everyone had to have. And with classics like Billie Jean, Thriller, Beat It, and BYT. Who could blame them? This, this album revitalized the vinyl industry. 
for a time, anyways, until CDs eventually took over. His songs at that time were everywhere on the radio. Billie Jean was on the radio. Thriller was on the radio. Beat It. If you guys ever remember um, listening to the the countdown every weekend with Casey Kasem and the American Top 40, all those songs were featured on there at one time or another. Beat It, Billie Jean and Thriller were number one at all time or at one time on that list as well. It was it's just such a classic album that has really influenced a lot of musicians going forward. And there was albums like this that really created the environment that made vinyls popular again. All of a sudden people were going out to buy more vinyls from Michael Jackson, from Madonna, from Prince, from bands like Hall and & Oates and, and The Bangles, Heart, all these bands that become very popular later on in, in the mid-80s to late-80s. It was a complete revitalization of the vinyl industry. And it was the, like they're kind of almost their last hurrah. Because it was funny how as, as Michael Jackson's Thriller album came out, uh, CDs actually released in that same year, 1983. And of course at the time, CDs were still too expensive for most people. And when I say expensive, it was mostly the CD players, which were around $800 to $1,000 to have a CD player. Um, but once they eventually came down in price, they they became the, the format for many people. So that was the, the end for vinyl in a way. That is until as recently as 10 years ago. There's actually been a, a new revitalization in vinyl recently. And that's been led by a lot of millennials, actually, believe it or not, and that have kind of rediscovered the format that had been forgotten by those yuppies from the 80s and people that grew up and experienced the vinyls and kind of moved on from that maybe. And it got kind of lost to time for a bit. And now it's been rediscovered by, by people that enjoy having a physical media of music, a, a media that's very much different sounding than CDs, or, or the digital sound that's on streaming platforms, and that I appreciate the format for what it is. Um, vinyls have become very popular uh, since then. Like I said, it started around 2007. We're now in 2020, so we've kind of moved forward 13 years now, and there's been a, a big uptick in album releases. I've seen a lot of album releases in, on vinyl uh, from artists like Taylor Swift, even rapping artists that have released rhinos today too so it's definitely back in the public eye and artists are making an effort to release their albums on vinyl too now vinyls do carry a, a, a premium price nowadays uh unfortunately i was not around during the 80s to really get an idea of what their price was back then but nowadays, your average vinyl might go for anywhere from $25 to $35. So you're definitely paying for the experience, right? Uh, I myself made the investment in getting a turntable and getting some vinyl records. I, I just felt like it was the best way to listen to music from the 80s. You know, I want to hear it on the format that was popular at the time. And I want to listen to it the way people at the time were listening to it. Because I feel like 
a lot of times a lot is lost in translation from the analog sound of a vinyl record to the digital sound of an mp3 format or a streaming platform or even a cd because even a cd the sound is digital it's not analog because it's being read off um, a laser if you guys know how cd players work it's the it's a laser that reads the little digits in the disc whereas on the vinyl you had a little needle that spins on it and it, it reads it off there so for the most part i i enjoy there's nothing that i you know don't like about the turntable it's it's very good it's very easy to use i, I purchased one uh recently a new one because i did have an original one that i bought like two three years ago but it wasn't the highest quality turntable so i definitely upgraded and i feel like it was worth the price i'm enjoying my vinyls now more than ever um and i can definitely share some of those that i have um starting off with things like scarface the the official soundtrack to the movie that's definitely one of my favorite vinyls if you guys enjoy more of like uh, pop from the 80s there's there's definitely pop on there with songs from elizabeth daly and amy holland very poppy kind of dance music uh, another album that i definitely like and enjoy was um hall notes so i got one of their albums kind of listen to their music i love songs like man eater and all that if you guys have heard other episodes you know all about my fascination with hall notes but uh yeah i've definitely um gotten my collection there i've even got some vinyls that don't feature uh, musicians from the 80s so i even have vinyls from people like nirvana uh, people like the beatles the doors it's just a, a, a great way to experience music, I feel. And it's definitely different than listening to it on, like I said, a streaming platform or a, an MP3. There's definitely more of an experience. It's more involved. Whereas, because it, it, it's very easy to use on, on a phone and all that, and it's very portable. It, so it's very popular to do that nowadays, but... There is something lost in the experience, like the experience of setting up a turntable, you know, lifting the cover off the turntable, taking the album out of the package, seeing the art, you know, you place the, the vinyl record on the turntable, you place the needle on there and you hear that, you know, that warm fuzzy sound as it gets ready to start the first track. It's definitely an enjoyable experience. And for any people that enjoy music and especially enjoy music from the 80s i would definitely suggest you you look into a turntable and, and experiencing that for yourself you'll see what i'm talking about with uh enjoying that sound even more from from the 80s that new wave sound that poppy sound that just up tempo sound from the 80s that's very nostalgic to many people and moving forward I don't feel like vinyl records are going to go anywhere anytime soon. I feel like they're here to stay. I feel like many people that have bought their turntables are in the market for new vinyls, whether it be uh, of their old artists that they enjoy, like like the 80s artists or, you know, re-releases of 90s artists, early 2000s artists, stuff like that. Or new artists that are, like I said, releasing their albums on vinyl too. It's definitely a different way to experience music and I, f I feel like many people end up enjoying artists a lot more that way because one of the things of about turntables is you don't 
have the ability to skip tracks. Now, that's something that came along with CDs and you were able to skip tracks as it was digital. But with vinyls, you can't do that. So you kind of listen to the tracks on one set on one side of the vinyl record and you're able to listen to all the songs of the artist and you really get to hear all the different sounds and nuances in their voice. And it definitely it makes you appreciate your favorite artists a lot more. So as we move forward here, I feel like vinyls are, are here to stay. They, they've had their heyday. They're not going to be as popular as they were in the late 70s, you know, 80s. But there's definitely a market for them. They're definitely going to continue to be made. Artists are always releasing vinyls. People are like myself who, who like retro things are looking to experience that way of life. And I feel like there's still profit to be made there for artists and song and uh, song labels. So it's, it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So as I come to a close here, uh, maybe some of this talk about Rhino Records and their popularity and how they've been able to be resilient and, and stay in the game so long. Maybe it will inspire some of you to go out there and hunt down a turntable and and get some albums of your favorite artists. And uh, if that's the case, then I'd say go for it. You're, you're definitely going to enjoy the experience of, of listening to them in a whole new way. Now, as always... Uh, you guys can follow me on the Retro Nostalgia podcast at my Instagram page. And if you guys can give me a like there and a follow, uh, you'll see all the the updates for future episodes, links for anything that I might talk about here. Uh, if you guys always want to comment on any episode or provide, you know, any any tips or anything, you can always feel free to do so in the comments for the episode down there on my Instagram page. And as always, remember... Retro Nostalgia Podcast is your go-to podcast for all things 80s and retro video games. I'll talk to you guys next time. You have been listening to the Retro Nostalgia Podcast. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on Instagram. If you love it and you want to help support this podcast, consider becoming a Patreon member for access to exclusive content. All links are in the show notes. Until next time, be excellent to each other.